and welcome to the Word for Women podcast. I'm Christina, your host, and my guests are people who operate at the intersection of science and spirituality. It is my great pleasure today to speak with Jess Keating. Welcome to the show, Jess. Thank you so, so much. I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled to be here. I'm so excited to have you over. So dear listeners, Jess Keating is an award-winning author, scientist, shamanic soul coach, and leading money mentor for visionary leaders and creative women. Her work has been featured in the New York Times, CBC, BuzzFeed, Bloomberg, and more. She helps thought leading women and visionaries heal their deepest blocks to true wealth so they can make waves, share their medicine and message with the world, and bring their business to life. She does this through her trademark soul ecology, an integrative medicine wheel of science and soul work, which helps her clients create a thriving wealth ecosystem that honors their unique genius. I first came across Jess back in February this year via a post she shared on the occasion of the Chinese New Year. So for those wondering, we are currently in the year of the tiger. And from her post, this particular sentence that she shared instantly got my attention. It was, magic is just a way to describe science we don't yet understand. Needless to say, that got just an instant follow for me. <laughs> and let me tell you, the other insights she shares on social media are just as fascinating. I'm really excited to have you on the show today, Jess, and to learn more from you. To give our listeners a sense of the diverse expertise that you derive your insights from, could you share with us, if your professional trajectory so far were a book, what would its main chapters be? I love, I love this question just as a writer. Like I have to say, like the minute you're like, book, I'm in my happy place. Um, there have been actually really definitive chapters in my life. The first chapter would have to be nature. Like I was always obsessed with nature. I still am. So I was obsessed with nature and animals. Like I had my little baby microscope as a kid. I would spend all of my time outside, you know, covered in mud and muck and all this stuff. And one of my very favorite things to do was actually to explore the woods near my house and search for like animal bones. Like I would literally bring home carcasses and be like, look, mom. And we actually had a, a rule in my household that we couldn't, I, like, it was like, Jess, you cannot bring dead things inside the house. You have to keep them on the porch. So that was the very first chapter I would say was me falling in love with nature. The second chapter, which was the creative arts and you know things like um, like painting and sculpture. I absolutely love. I fell in love with singing. I'm a singer as well. Um, and as I moved forward, most of my younger years were sort of trying to balance those two things. Like I was the super science nerd in school, but I also loved you know singing and painting and, and drawing and writing. And it was kind of it was like I was kind of skipping from one island to the other, mm -hmm. right? And then when I got to university. I have a degree in zoology, I got my master's in science. And that was around the time where I could sense that something, I won't say that something in me wasn't getting recognized, but my theory is that like parts of our soul that we've kind of hidden away are trying to reach us, right? At different times in our life. And that kind of ties in exactly to, I'm sure most of your listeners are people who are feeling these calls right from within for a little more. And that's what started happening to me when I was in university. Um, I was doing my master's and I really wanted to do something integrative with science and philosophy and the arts. 
And of course, at that time, like I'm a little older than 10 years old, right? So there was no program like that. So I had to really convince them. I had to go to the dean. I had to convince him and be like, look, there's something here. Like there are parallels between these two fields that blend beautifully. And like, if you let me do this, if you sign this paper, I will prove this to you. And of course, like, thankfully, I was just enough of a stubborn ass, I think, that they let me do it. And I got to do this really beautiful integrative master's program that um, blended sort of science, creative expression, and like the deeper questions of philosophy. And now I've learned since that they've actually created a program around that. Like it was just such a beautiful little mix that they were like, oh, maybe there's something here. And now there's a program. So you're welcome, younger students who have like, who are now enjoying both of those fields. But it was kind of that point in my life, just wrapping up my master's that I started to feel like, okay, maybe there's like a full integration that's possible. Like I don't have to just be, you know, a professor or just be a writer or just be whatever. But it still took almost a decade to get where I am now, which is I was doing my master's and I woke up one day. So that was kind of the first integrative chapter of this sort of book of my life. Um, I was doing my master's and I woke up one day and I was like, you know what? I don't think I'd be a scientist, like a professor right now, because I was learning that I love science. I love academia, right? But the downside is, and if we have any um, science-based listeners, they will know this, is that when you write something in science, like as an academic, it's really only read by like three people right? Like it's read by your advisor and like your buddy, like your assistant or whatever. And that, that feeling, oh my gosh, it just, it just sunk me. Like it, it just drilled right into my heart. And I knew in my soul, I was like, that's not why I'm here. I'm not here just to write the paper that's read by three people. And again, this is not to say that there's anything wrong with that. That is somebody's soul aligned path, but it was not mine. So that was the day I woke up and I said, you know what, I think I want to write books for like real people and just see how that goes. And at that point, I had been writing my whole life, but I'd never, you know, I'd never tried to get anything published before. I think I had maybe a story in the newspaper in fifth grade or something like that, um, but I'd never really tried to do anything like that. So what I did was I gave myself a year and I said, okay, if I can find an agent and sell a book in a year. I'm going to give this a real go. And it ended up being a year and like three days <laughs> that, it, that it happened. <laughs> so I was like, I'm calling it like good enough. Like I don't need to be a perfectionist here. And that was really the start of the next chapter of my life, which was, you know, published author and sharing all sorts of the integrative stuff that I love to talk about in book form for people. Mm. And I can see now where I'm at now, which is a little bit later on, obviously. Um, I can see now that 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 point was so important in my life, that kind of span of a decade or more, that was really when I learned to become an expert on the creative process itself, right? And I think no matter what you are in business, whether you're creating pies or websites or books or you know programs for people, we're all pulling from that creative energy of the world to do so, of the universe to do so. And I think that my background in science mixed so beautifully with creative life that I just sort of had begun living, that that is when I kicked myself into this next chapter, which is the one I'm in now, which is, I, it was pretty much the same thing that happened. I woke up one day 
and told myself, you know, I think I need to be a writer. I think I need to express these ideas like this. The very same thing happened about a decade after that, which was, I think I need to do something different. I think I need to share all the stuff that I know more directly with the people that it's meant for, right? Like I still love writing. I still love sharing my expression that way. But I knew that there were people, specifically women and visionary entrepreneurs that have this like creative something in them. And I knew that I was able to bring a different lens and perspective to that, sharing the scientific stuff. Like science is really just like living in our world now, right? Like we have human bodies, we have emotions, we have all of these things mixed with that more spiritual shamanic side of me that, you know, there's, there's people who have businesses, which is great, but then there's people that have soul led businesses and that demands so much more um, from us. And it really does demand a specific way of sort of almost like looking at the world to create what we want to create so that it actually feels like, yes, I'm living this life and I'm not just trying to visualize it or, you know what I mean, attract it or whatever. So that's really been kind of those four or five chapters um, that brought me here. But it's neat now looking back because the one that I'm in now, all of the ingredients from the previous chapters are in it now. And this is really one of the first times in my life. And I think this will really resonate because I'm sure your listeners are really multi-passionate people as well. And we're really told to like box them in. You know what I mean? Like you're told to like, okay, you're this or you're this. I'm sure you've experienced this too a lot, Christina, totally. you know, be like spirituality and science and everything. And we're told that it's, you got to stay in your little lane. And I know personally that my, my actual zone of genius is taking all of those lanes that draw me in and finding the connections between them to help people find their lanes and their expression. So that's my very long-winded answer. We were talking about would this interview go over? I think the first answer has indicated probably yes. So thank you <laughs> listeners for your patience. <laughs> That is awesome. Just what really stands out to me from your story is, well, first of all, you're really in tune with yourself. So it, 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 that's that's what it sounds like to me, because when you felt the nudge that, hey, this is not working for me anymore, I want to go in a different direction. And on the surface, it doesn't look as if they would necessarily be connected. Mm -hmm. So I could see how from, you know, from from your head, as we're so often encouraged to approach life. You could be like, well, that doesn't make any sense. I have yeah. to be pragmatic, you know? So how did you navigate that? How was that for you? Oh, man, so in, in the description, like if you're listening and thinking like, oh, it sounds so seamless, it 100% was not obviously, but I do feel fortunate in that I almost can't discount it when I feel that. It might take me a little while to get like in touch with what is trying to come through for me, but when it does, I really can't unsee it. So for me, like I've, I've actually had, I was chatting with a mentor the other day and she was saying like, you know, people look and they see what you're doing and it, it kind of comes across as like fearlessness, right? Because you're like, oh, I want to do this thing. So of course I'm just going to do it. But for me, it's, it's almost like once I have all the colors in front of me, I can't not use them. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, a life where, I'm not following at least what I, what I feel is the path that wants me to go on. I will physically start to get like pretty ill, 
Like I, I did not arrive at this place, um, you know, just being like, just naturally in flow with the universe. That's not it at all. I came here, like I've had near death experiences that have really helped me. Like I say, they kind of kick me back into alignment. So it's not something that I would say has come easily to me, but it is something that I think it's a skill to be able to practice that like we can all practice this asking ourselves, like not only what do I want to happen? Like, what does my ego, my body, my personality want to take place for the next leg of my business, for example. But there's also the question of like, what wants to happen? Mm. You know, and I think I got really good at tapping into that, that energy, that creative flow of the universe. That I think is my, if I have a special skill, it's that. Like it's, it's that I can, Feel that energy and I the more I look back on it now I actually think it comes from my experience with animals and nature because that's all it is like it's the same energy that makes an acorn turn into an oak tree that I believe runs our soul-led businesses mm -hmm. so I think if anything I'm just a little more skilled now than I was at feeling that and then allowing the unknown to be okay like, don't get me wrong, there are day, like plenty of days, probably more often than not, where I feel like I'm just like feeling my way through a cave with my eyes shut, right? And that can be really scary physically in our human body, but you can actually learn that that's not going to kill you. Do you know what I mean? Like you can certainly work with your body and like one of the things that help people do is how to blend working with their body and tending their soul and taking action in a way where all of those pieces can be happy rather than, you know, I know a lot of people say like, oh, take fast action, right? Which is great advice for some people, but for other people, that's actually going to kind of make, it's a little too confronting to your physical body, mm. right? So it's, I think I'm just, I think I've had a lot of practice at blending the nuances of like, okay, why is it okay to take this step and sudden, like just all of a sudden be an author as opposed to a tenure track professor saying goodbye to that paycheck? Mm -hmm. Or like, why is it okay? And the answer for me has always been like, because I feel like I'm being drawn there. And that, that has to be enough because as I said, I've also made the wrong choice, so to speak, not that there's a wrong choice, but the, the tougher choice and the ramifications on my body physically like you will learn eventually if you keep getting knocked, <laughs> hitting that wall, you're going to start to get the bruise on your forehead and be like, geez, maybe I stop. Right. And I, I am quite stubborn. So it does take many knocks sometimes, but I'm trying to get better in, at the age I'm at now to allow that to happen. Yeah, that's, you know, I mean, it's a continuous learning process, but you seem to have a great handle on it. And you, you mentioned this idea of being led, which I resonate a lot with. I know, I know what you mean, because I've also had this experience of being told, well, you did that thing that came across as fearless, whereas it was just, I had no choice, really. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like, we, I feel the same way, and there is something to be said about, like, for example, in my, when you talk about, like, having no choice, I, of course, I believe we always have agency, of course, but when it comes to like my business, like I'm building a program right now called Money Awakening, that there's a million options that I could do, right? In terms of like what the strategists say, what the mentors say, what business rules, say, all of these things, what I should do. 
But what I have done at every turn is literally tune into the spirit of that offer of that program and be like, okay, what do you want? What do you need here? Right. And the message that I always get back from this, from money awakening itself is listen, if you take care of me, I will take care of you. And when you talk about like fearlessness and like, well, you just had no choice. That's kind of how I see it. Like, yes, I could choose option A, which mentor Bob told me is the best option, or I could tune into that specific energy of that offer. And once it says to me, like, no, this program needs to look like this, or this is how I want, even like something like the branding, for example, or this is the vibe that I want you to convey. I want it to be more peaceful and grounded, less like in your face and flashy, stuff like that. Once I have that information, it really, like you said, it's not really a choice because I know if I choose to go against it, having done this so many times now, played this little game and put in these variables, I'm probably going to be down the line thinking like, oh, why didn't I just listen in the first place, right? So I like, I don't want anybody thinking of course, like, oh, you don't have a choice. Of course you do. It's just like you were saying, Christina, like the learning process of that. And I think we can really discount that in this fields of spirituality, because I mean, and again, this is not to negate what anybody believes or says, but we, we don't know what we don't know, right? So if you don't have a really solid freaking background in like the human body and physiology and how change happens and how growth happens, it's going to be really easy to say like, oh, just do this. And you're kind of discounting your, your suit needs to get on board too, <laughs> you know, like your body needs to feel okay too. And you will only be able to expand to the level of your safety. And for me, this concept of like, what parameters do I have for my business or this particular offer or whatever, that's kind of how I crowd out all the rest of the stuff. So it's a lot easier for us to be fearless or seem fearless because certain things don't really feel like an option. Do you know what I mean? It's like, okay, you've got three doors, but one of them, we know there's fire behind that. So like, let's not. And like the two others, well, maybe they're a little more even, but to people on the outside, they'd be like, oh my God, how did she know to pick whatever? But it's just that practice. Thank you so much for clarifying the fact that it is indeed a choice. It's just so then. Oh yeah, I I feel the same way though. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I totally get it. And I think this is a great point at which to expand a bit on the fact. So the first time I came across you and your work, what stood out to me in a very good way was the fact that you had both scientific training, you're a scientist Mm -hmm. and also a shaman. And that was a combination that I, I, as far as I'm aware, I didn't come across before. And I thought this is so cool because she has these two vantage points Mm -hmm. uh, that may or may not be that different. Do you want to share a little bit about that? How did did you become a shaman actually? And how did- Oh my gosh. So there's loads of different ways, of course, and you can use the words uh, shamanic practitioner, shamanic coach, shaman, whatever. Um, So whatever one feels most comfortable with. It is something, though, that kind of like our conversation before, it is nothing that I would say I sought out. I think a shamanic path, it is by definition loaded with initiations. And what I mean by that is very, very difficult experiences where you pretty much feel parts of yourself dying on the regular, whether it's physically or not. Like a good example is, um, you know, not too long ago, I broke my jaw and I wasn't able to talk. 
And yet, like, I'm a manifester in human design. If anybody follows that, like, my whole vibe is just like, just talking. I'm here to like, you know, motorize throat center. And it's only through stuff like that, that I felt, and this was like several years of these types of situations where these quote initiations, they kind of break you down in a way. And again, this is not a, a field or a life that I would say like, oh, just dive in, you know, everybody should feel comfortable exploring shamanic themes, of course. But when it comes to like this type of um, depth, like it's, it's absolutely something that I feel is kind of thrust on you for sure. But like the really short version is all my life, I've been deeply spiritual, not religious, but very spiritual. Um, I'm indigenous myself of like Mohawk descent. And I had a lot of that kind of that energy of knowledge and wisdom sort of percolating in the background of my life, but I was never really open about it. Like I didn't hide it actively, but I also didn't like, here's what I am and here's how I think and all this stuff. And as I was getting older and getting really heavily entrenched in the sciences, I was starting to notice like that more spiritual side kind of peeking through a lot. And then, as I said, like I actually did have a near-death experience that after that point, I can trace it to that moment where when I kind of came out of that again, I was like, holy crap, I'm, I'm here. Wow. I think there's things that I need to change in my life. So that was when I became a lot more open about like, okay, here's some of the shamanic concepts that I work into my, you know, my business or my work with people or whatever. And it's funny, like people... The same thing happened when I got into writing and creativity. People said, oh, what a waste, all that science training, right? And I'm like, oh, you have no idea. Like I use my science training every freaking day. And the same thing can be said about the spirituality stuff. And science and spirituality are often seen as like, just like total opposites, right? But I actually think that it's very similar to fiction and nonfiction. And I'm not saying that the spirituality is fiction. What I mean to say is that both science and spirituality are both trying to ask and answer questions of meaning mm -hmm. in whatever way they can. And it's just the way they do the asking and the answering that is different. And the one thing that I absolutely love, like I feel so at home with shamanic work, like with this concept of like, everything has energy and you know it's it's just the planet around us it's the cosmos it's all of these amazing concepts and i can see them almost like with that dual focus of like here's the equations of the planet and here's like the energetic blueprints of them the neat thing is they do not fight at all to me and one of the most amazing things that i would encourage everybody to read about if you're at all interested in spirituality or just shamanic work and I don't even want to put too fine a point on it, because really, if you are interested in any form of spirituality, its ancestor is always shamanism. Like that is how spirituality came to be. That was the first spiritual practice. But the really amazing thing is there's this concept in shamanic, uh, shamanic work called direct revelation, which is basically saying your experience has meaning too. So yes, you might have a million data points from a study like a proper scientific study double blind everybody's happy and it came to this conclusion but your direct experience your direct revelation of certain circumstance also has meaning and that is how i think that they just blend together so beautifully and i mean are there things that i have experienced in the spiritual side of my life that i cannot explain scientifically absolutely absolutely 
but I don't think that, that that negates what we can get from them. And vice versa, there are things that you, well, you well know, like science cannot explain that have just as much grounded in our daily lives. You know, we're still trying to figure out like waves and particles and like all of these things, that's okay. And what I love about it is the more I learn science and the more I deepen my spirituality, the more that that aspect of mystery becomes a key player. And it's not something like, I think people think of like mystery is like a big open gap, right? Like, well, how can I work with that? It's a non-entity. Whereas to me, mystery now has like a certain energy. And I'll be able to tell like when I'm working on a creative project or when I'm doing something, you know, in my business or whatever, I can be able to tell now when that energy of mystery has like wound or woven its way in. And I, and I it's like, oh, this is some place where I kind of need to loosen the reins a bit because that mystery wants to kind of unfold along with me. And that really helps me because then I know, okay, well, I don't need to be such a, like a tyrant, like a control freak about how something unfolds, but it's really being able to see that mystery or feel out that mystery on the science perspective and the spiritual perspective, seeing them, like, like I said, there's, I always have people ask like, how do you balance the two? And it's like, to me, they're so beautifully connected. They, they just seem like perfect, perfect allies. And they're just, you know, when you go to the eye doctor and they're checking your vision and they're like, this one, right? It's like both science and spirituality give me a clear picture. It's just a slightly different perspective. Like it's exploring, but I'm still looking at the same objective reality. So Jess, you were talking about this idea of uh, the energetics and an energetic signature of, of something and tapping into the spirit of things. Like whenever I hear energy in spiritual teachings, I'm left a bit confused because I, you know, from my science side, I'm like, what is that? Is that the physics energy? Is that something else? Like, can you help shed some light on that? Yeah, so I love that because it's one of those things it's true, like the word itself has been so diluted, right, over, over many fields, like you've got the different, all the different fields of science that have kind of different takes on it. It's not a, it's not a different take, but it's a different lens to it. And then you've got all the fields of, fields of spirituality where you have stuff like energy healing and all of this where like, it's just a, it's just a different way of looking at things that I think are trying to get to the same root. From a scientific perspective, though, that is actually the one that I land on that really permeates even my spiritual work, like any sort of energy healing I do or any sort of soul work that I do um, shamanically. It's actually the same definition. So the one that I always use that I always fall back on, which is like, it's very, very typical, like, you know, year one university stuff. But to me, energy is just the ability to do work, right? Like that is like the official physics definition. And you can kind of take it in any direction you want. Whereas like, you know, if you've got something that you're moving, like it's that kinetic force, like it is doing work doing that. But the way I like to frame it is like similarly to what I mentioned about the acorn and the oak tree, there is energy within everything, whether it's, you know, a, a plant or a person or a business, or you know, a money ecosystem like that I would help people create. There's energy within us or within these entities to do work. And like, okay, so you think like, what does that mean? Like, it doesn't mean like working every day, nine to five for the man. It means to change, to transform, 
So when an acorn changes or does work into an oak tree, that is the type of energy we're talking about. And what I find really cool about this view of it, it's that it really can apply to everything. It can apply to our healing because what is healing other than transformation and growth? Right. It can apply to our business making or like building like wealth, you know, within our businesses. That is really just transforming, taking energy from one place and putting it in another. And again, like another really cool thing, like I'm such a nerd about this, but I'm going to I'm just going to go for it. Like energy cannot be created nor destroyed. And I'm sure you've heard that, of course, and like most of your listeners will have heard that. But that means that we can also transmute energy and sort of usher it into places that we want it to be. So one of the things I really love helping people do, for example, is tapping into the energy of these hidden parts of themselves that through, um, I would call them soul fractals. So events that have happened either in this life or the past, like another life, however you wanna view that, whatever one's beliefs are, we tap into that. And then we can actually find that energy and free it up. And that can be what powers your next money move, for example, or the next creative process in your business, or the next, like, I want to offer something new to my people, but I don't know what it is. Like, that is where we can kind of ferret out this energy. And I love that definition of it because it truly is the capacity to create something. You know, we think that we're creating from nothing. And this is something that I've seen in my lifetime as like an author, like a professional creative who was just in that space. And it's also something that I've seen in my um, more spiritually coaching type side of things. Now people have this belief of like, okay, I'm building this business. I'm creating this business out of nothing. Right. Or at the very most, they might say I'm creating this business with like the stuff of my heart or the stuff of my soul, but you can create a business out of everything, everything that's available. Like I have tapped into energy from like the cosmos or the oceans or the world around me. And it's just about intentionally doing that and like funneling it where it needs to go. And that is how I think that we can create quote work without it being like an actual slog of work. You know, like everybody always says, oh, I want a life of ease. Like, I don't know that like hundred percent ease is possible but you can absolutely tap into energy from whatever sources you choose and allow that to sort of do some of the work for you. Does that make sense? Yeah, that, that that's awesome. Like, I love that you use the, the very conventional definition because I think, you know, I, I hear it and I'm like, okay, I'm familiar with that. Okay, you know, I can work yeah. with this. So I think, you know, it's something I can actually sit with and also work through with my head rather than my intuition. And actually talking about intuition, Jess, let's, I would love to hear the perspective of a shaman and a scientist on intuition. What is the deal with it? How can we hone it? What is the deal? Yeah. <laughs> what is the deal with intuition? So again, prefacing this, this is my view of this that I've kind of landed on over years and years. I believe that our soul, our creative spirit and our intuition are three separate things. And there is absolutely boatloads of evidence that intuition is not just some airy fairy concept that only spiritual people have. Like intuition has been studied extensively in the sciences and it is something that, you know, scientists themselves often, like Einstein is very famous for this, like tapping into the role of intuition in his work. And, you know, we, we use intuition in, I once saw somebody, this was about a decade ago. I once saw somebody and I said like, how can I strengthen my intuition? And they were like a psychic reader and they were like, Jess, 
you have no idea how much you lean on your intuition now. If I stripped it away, you would feel freaking blind. And I think it's some, I think most of us are like that, truly, because we don't, even if we don't think of ourselves as intuitive, we all have these natural um, patterns in our brain, for example, and body that we can just sense like, oh, this feels off. Oh, this feels whatever. And it's as we get into the kind of deeper spirituality that we start to like flesh that out. Right. So for me, and the intuition, the concept of intuition is sort of like the phone line between your soul, which is the thing, the essence that is connected to the rest of the universe, your creative spirit, which is the part of you that wants to be expressive and your human body. So your intuition is kind of like a through line. So you can pick up from all those different points. Ooh, this is a soul nudge, for example, or this is a creative nudge that's you know asking me to make something or to do something with this information or it could even be like ooh, this is like a physical something going on in my surroundings for like for example you're in a, a, a bad parking lot at night right like there's all these different levels of intuition but i see them as kind of this this phone line or even this like root system and the neat thing is like people always ask like well how can i strengthen that and what's amazing is you can strengthen it at every portion of that connection you can strengthen your soul concepts of intuition by learning the different languages that your soul speaks i think we spoke about this at the top right christina about you know different languages that my soul speaks are going to be different from yours and everybody else but you can intentionally do that work to sort of learn more about that but you can also learn the language of intuition on your physical body be like oh every time i make this choice i get a headache right? Or, or I get like a weird feeling in the pit of my stomach, like all of those things can be intuitively um, based. But it's really about, again, there's no easy answer. It's about that interplay of the nuance between all these different levels. But I do want to make sure like anybody listening right now, if you're feeling like intuition is like a very, I will say like esoteric or out there concept, it's absolutely not. Even if you removed all of the more spiritual aspects that we talk about when we speak about intuition, you are still having this fully loaded arsenal of information. You could spend your whole life just with that and still have a perfectly wonderful, fruitful life. And it's when you start opening the doors to these different avenues that I think things to get things get really juicy. <laughs> Speaking of juicy, you talked about languages of the soul. Can you give us some examples just to get a sense of how of how our soul might yeah so i well i'm gonna i'm gonna put this on you so for example um when you were a kid christina what were the things that like lit you up that came naturally to you so for me like i've talked about for me it was very much nature animals um using my hands for example like painting sculpting writing artwork stuff like that mm -hmm. sound for me was a big one because i loved music what were the things in you when you were a kid that just sort of felt like ah oh, like this is like a wonderland for me do you have any that come to mind well the first one that comes to mind is reading i remember i used yeah. to love reading and and funnily enough formal education kind of took that away from me because it's one thing to yeah. read when you want to and another one when you have yeah to. <laughs> <laughs> um i think another one is is this very idea of magic like i'm a huge potterhead like you know that's how i started as a kid and i always liked uh fantasy stories you know i always like to go there so you know it, it kind of ties in quite clearly 
with what I do today, right? Tapping into yeah. real life magic at the end of the day. Um, what else? These are the two that come top of mind. I would have to sit up. Yeah. So in your case, I would say that there is a very, very, very good chance that your soul language are based in formats like that. So for, reading is another big one for me. Like, again, I'm a writer. I've always, like, words have just been, I can taste them. Like, they've always kind of spoken to me. And for me, a lot of the times my soul, like that soul level intuition that we were talking about, it will actually reach me through specific words. I will actually hear words kind of in my mind's ear. So like, I don't want to make it sound like I'm hearing voices or something, but you know, if that's the way it works, that's okay. Um, I will hear words sometimes and words to me will pop out on a page of a notebook, for example, like I'll be looking through an old notebook that I've written five years ago and certain words will bounce towards me. I would not be surprised if words specifically were one of the ways to reach you. But I also love that you mentioned like fables and myth and magic and like Potterhead and stuff like that. Because the really cool thing about those types of myths is they are all deeply, deeply rooted in archetypes. And one of the things that I teach people, like I teach them how to sort of sniff out the specific archetypes that their soul loves. So for example, like, you know, in Harry Potter, um, like we have really, um, really powerful archetypes of like the, the hero's journey, for example, or of like hidden magic behind the everyday. And like for people like you, if that is one of the soul languages that your intuition uses to reach you, you can slowly learn to kind of tinker and tailor with that, tailor that and, um, give your almost give yourself like little chances throughout your days or weeks to strengthen that so you might go on a walk and be like okay all right soul like i'm listening right now let's use the lens of this like hidden magic behind me every day and all you have to do is say that and be like what do you got for me and then go for a walk with that in mind and i'm i'm telling you like 99.9 percent .9 of the time something You'll, you'll notice you like you'll notice a shimmer on a little doorway that's a little different or like a cat that's walking by and it happens to walk by like twice so you're like oh a little like you know those little shiver moments mm -hmm. and the, the challenge is most people we all have those things happen where we're like oh little a little weird nudgy roo there and we, we we question it we discount it we start overthinking it we start thinking oh well don't be you know that's that's in books and this isn't harry potter and we start to do that that is I want to be really clear here because that not only shuts down like it it's kind of a block to your intuition as you can imagine like it kind of shuts that voice down but it also takes the part of you that part of your soul that is speaking to you through that moment and kind of hides it away a little bit more mm. right and that's like that's why I do so much soul reclamation work so to speak it sounds really vague and airy fairy but that's what it is it's opening that door again for those parts of ourselves that are trying to reach us and what most people all people in my experience have found that even if they don't have a good answer for why that particular door caught their attention or why the way the wind was moving in the trees that evening was catching their attention it doesn't matter because the information that they got or the insights that they got were enough to kind of move the needle just a tiny, like one degree difference in their life. And they were able to step forward with that um, more soulful integrity. Speaking of- Speaking, I was going to say, you see, that is, 
like come on that is a little wink from the we have a cat walking by the screen right now if your listeners care to know that is one of those little moments where like we could not write that and we could easily say like oh well of course the cat walked by but the fact that i i you could have had a dog you could have a goldfish i could have mentioned any number of things it's just one of those little tiny portals one of those doorways where you have an opportunity or we have opportunities to listen just a little more deeply and that's all your soul really wants that's all it needs it will never give you the full picture in like in a in, in a business context for example like i work with a lot of entrepreneurs it will never be like okay i'm your soul i'm going through your intuition i'm telling you to do this 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 and this for like 10 steps it'll never do that your soul like you don't need to know that because the practice is to be to begin developing that dialogue with these parts of yourselves and to trust that that's enough because that is where that integrity is found where we look around at everybody and be like nobody's doing this <laughs> like you know like nobody's doing this thing we all feel like that but that is because we all have a unique genius that is trying desperately to reach us but it is coming from those imaginal spiritual realms and it is very difficult to cross thresholds like that. Like think of when we create something, right? It starts as an idea, then we have to take action, then we have to repeat it normally more than once to make something happen. Like that takes energy, right? We, like we were just talking about this, it's perfect, but you cannot expect like something that is many, many realms deeper than our normal consciousness to just like plunk a map on, on your lap kind of thing. You know, it has to move in these whispers. And I think, really soul-led people just get really good at not only hearing the whispers, but trusting them, acting on them, and understanding them, like I said, with these unique soul languages, rather than just being like, hit me with anything. Like, you know what, it's just so hard sometimes when there's so many different paths we can take, but you are allowed as a person to be like, listen, I need help, and I would be grateful if it looked similar to this. You know, give it to me in the form of an animal or the form of a, a book or a TV show. Like I, I, I have, I think I've said somewhere, like I get intuitive guidance from Tom Cruise movies all the time, all the time. One of my soul languages, no joke, is Tom Cruise. I don't know why, it's just the way it is, but like, it's what matters to you. That's what you have to lock into and accept that it's enough as it is. That is awesome. And you know, as you were speaking, like the word trust, trust, trust kept popping up for me because it does feel like it's about that deep trust. And, you know, even as you were saying, as you were talking about this idea of magic behind the ordinary, which, you know, like for mm. me is meaningful as we've established, like, you know, like I just had this jolt of energy, like, oh yeah, you know. Yes. And I think- I love not- it. We notice these things, I think, it's just that we don't trust them or think that they mean anything which goes back to what you were saying like that is the next step right Um, yeah to find meaning in that and you know this is what I love about well spirituality is a very broad way of putting it but let's say about being open to the magic behind the everyday since we use that terminology because you start seeing new things in the world beyond like uh, linear thinking beyond like what we mm-hmm. normally think of as scientific thinking though I would argue science you know could be expanded in many ways shape and forms we can talk about that if you want but I feel we're being robbed of these valuable perspectives yeah um do you want to share a little bit about that like what are your thoughts there like because there's a lot of dogma 
And I feel at least mm-hmm. in Western societies, you know, we have this idea of subjects like, you know, this, that's too woo. We're not touching that, you know, no one who takes themselves seriously would touch that, which, you know, both of us know that's like super, you know, yeah. let's, let's put it that way. And I feel this puts a lot of people off from sharing their experiences, from taking their experiences seriously, um, as, as I was just saying earlier, from saying, hey, you know what, I do have spiritual practices, and I'm a scientist, you know what, I'm a shaman, and I'm a scientist. And, you know, even going even daring to look that way uh, for fear yeah ostracized right so what do you think we can do to loosen the grip there like of the dogma of the fear well i found <laughs> what worked for me was running into a wall so many times <laughs> and learning that it didn't it wasn't making me happy um i f- i really understand that and i think what i think our fear is is like one of the things that crossed my mind like years ago was like spirituality says like a lot of blanket statements right and and that's kind of one of the beefs that i have like we talk about like the law of this the law of this and like a lot of that from my perspective like scientifically is really unfounded which again if it if it feeds you and it makes you feel like yes this is helping me cool i'm fine with that but then you get the people that we're talking about, right? Where they're like, oh, I kind of, I, I have these feelings and these spiritual experiences, but like, I'm afraid to look in that direction. And it kind of reminds me of like, if you say to somebody like, okay, like a very spiritual person might sit you down and be like, okay, Christina, like you can do anything, anything. So what do you want to do, right? And when you're hit with that, it's very natural for your, whether or not you're a scientist, but especially if you're more inclined to like, I'm living in the 3D reality here for your brain to go like, well, not anything though. I can't, I can't climb up on my roof right now and spurt wings, uh, spurt wings and fly. I can't do that. Like, I don't care what you believe. I don't care. Like if I could try it 10 times, it will fail 10 times. So we almost say like, so don't tell me you can do anything. And our skeptic kind of takes over. Right. But what I found helped me in that dialogue was telling myself, okay, this is not about me proving that concept wrong. This is about me recognizing that my innate concept might have on so much limit to it via dogma or, or whatever is kind of known currently right now in the science that I'm cutting myself off from my own growth and transformation. Were I to not just open the door to like 2% more, Right. So instead of saying to somebody like you can do anything, if you truly believe it, you can sprout wings and fly away. Instead of saying that, say to them, are you open to the possibility that there's something that you're not fully seeing yet? And that's to me like that is science. You can't like a deeply scientific person would actually probably feel really grounded in that. And that is what really helped me. Like now I'm just like, it's fair game. Like everything, I, I trust myself enough and I trust my experience that like, I know when something is true to me and I know when I don't have an explanation. But I didn't get here. Like I, I earned that after so many years of, of these little steps, right? Where it's like, okay, I, I don't believe many spiritual things. Like, you know, thoughts become things. I, I don't believe that's true because to me, it's too reductionist. We are more than thoughts. There is more than thought in the universe. Therefore, you need to cross more than one threshold to make a thought become a thing. So like I've negated that. But can I be open to the concept that thoughts have a role that is maybe 2% more than I would have thought? 
that's the kind of, I think, negotiating that we need to do. Because again, I don't want somebody to go up on a rooftop and jump off the roof thinking they can spirit wings. I want them to recognize maybe this dream that I have of running a business or becoming a millionaire or changing the world in this way positively, maybe it's a little bit more possible than I previously thought. Because that's really what we're talking about here. Like any, I'm sure you're the same way. Anytime you've spoken to somebody who is like spiritual or like trying to learn more about that, they're not actually out to defy the laws of freaking physics, right? They're not actually out to do that. They're just out to live their lives in a more soul aligned way, right? So why on earth wouldn't that be a little more possible if we open up the door just slightly? You're not even rejecting science. You're just opening the door more to invite in, well, it's similar to what I talked about at the top with the direct revelation. What's also true to me? Like I cannot explain why I can do a soul journey with three different people and not say anything beyond like, we're gonna go and meet our you know, uh, animal guide about this or a guide about this. I cannot explain why those three people would see the same exact visuals around them. Can't explain it, but it is true to them. And that's all that matters when it comes to our personal lives. And, you know, a scientist would say like, okay, sure, but how are we going to write a paper on that? How are we going to whatever? It's like, that's not really the goal right now. Maybe one day we'll be at a point where a scientist can explain a lot of these things that we cannot explain yet, but we aren't there yet. So I almost see it as like choosing to live a life that is just fully dogmatic or fully entrenched while something else is calling you. That to me is one of the more um, degrading things that we can do to our soul, but also just like our own everyday life because you're going to feel like I did years ago which was like there's something calling me something more is calling and eventually that will take its toll probably physically really because eventually your spiritual stuff is going to be so out of whack that like your physical body will start to feel it so that is how I would kind of negotiate it's just about taking inchworm steps you don't have to go from being a fully scientifically minded person to saying like I believe in angels and they're talking to me right this minute you're just saying like how can I open the door to possibility just a little bit more if I'm called to it? Because some people aren't. And if you are, that is your sign. That is the sign. People want a more sign in your sign. That's the sign that you're called to it and just allow that to unfold. And as you said, Christina, like with its trust, you don't need to believe it all anything right away. You don't need to believe anything after a decade. It's just growing that trust within yourself. You know what I'm saying? I, I, I totally hear you, you know, and, and, and as, as you were speaking, you know, there's also this idea of authority and where we place authority coming to mind. Yeah. Like, I, I, you know, I think you, you say, you know, you, I might get things through words and it's, I mean, during this conversation, a lot of words are popping up. I, I've noticed you yeah, you mentioned it. <laughs> This idea of, of outsourcing authority, like I feel there's a very delicate balance between, yes, I am scientifically minded, but that doesn't mean I worship the idea yeah. of science, you yeah. know? And I, I feel what you're talking about is the scientific way of going about it because I have this external information. I have this direct personal, direct revelation type of information, which a lot of people have. Like a lot of people were, you know, like super 
uh, dogmatic, you know, there's nothing mm-hmm. beyond the ordinary. And then they have a near-death experience or, you know, an experience yeah. like that. And they start questioning things. So that's a very direct type of experience. And I think it would be unscientific not to question things after yeah, something like that's that. that's just it. And And I will also, like, I would add that not only is it really the scientific way, but it's also the biological way. I think a, a big reason why the work that I do resonates, even though like we're talking really deep, like we're talking deep concepts, right? Like soul languages and soul purpose and, and expression and all this stuff. But the way I teach it and speak about it, it's so grounded in biology, your actual body, the actual planet around us. Like that is the scientific way because that is also the way that we as humans literally are forced to exist like and I think there's this big divide where you know we like especially with this concept of like ascension right like we want to we want to ascend we want to transcend our daily experience and become one with the the ascended masters up here I like wholeheartedly disagree with that I know my role in this business in my industry is to pull people back down to earth back down to themselves because to me ascension is that descension it is coming down and remembering that the the essence of our everything is here we like you always hear the phrase like oh you're 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 a human being having a spiritual experience right or sorry a spiritual spiritual being having a human experience i think the opposite needs to be equally true like you have to stay here too you have to stay in your body you have to stay in your emotions and all of the like with the dirt under your fingernails because that is where our view as humans and organisms of this planet, that is our like secret weapon. That is our gold. If, if theoretically there are ascended masters and angels and spirit guides and all of these things, they can't do what we can do on earth. Like we have the gift here. So I'm always like, I always picture myself like dragging people down and like deepening the mainstream. And they see that as like, oh no, but I'm leaving behind all the magic. Like, no, no. If you're up there in your head the whole time, I'd argue that's not really a functional form of magic. It feels good. But after a week or two, you're going to be like, well, I got to live my life and I want to have a business or I want to write a book or, or whatever. Like all of that good stuff happens here. You know, Jess, we talk so much about spirituality and I feel you can't talk about spirituality without touching on the concept of God. So I wanted to ask you, mm-hmm. what is God to you? What is God to me? Oh gosh. <laughs> so I don't believe in God in the sense of like a personified being. And of course, if anybody does, good on you. That has just never been my experience. The way I experience what I would call God or source, like we have all these different terms for it, divinity, The way I would experience source is that universal creative spark of energy. And that is, I think some, like it's that, that capacity to do work. And it's the same thing you would feel outside in nature. It's the same thing I feel when I sit down to write a book or to start a project or to, to teach somebody this stuff. I don't feel like, I feel like my role is to be the lens and the perspective, like the way I say things is going to really resonate with some people and really fall flat for others. And I need to be okay with that. Like that, that's not my, my job is not to distort my lens to include everybody. My job is to just be like, here's my perspective, but what's really happening. It's kind of like a prism. I'm like, we are all kind of uniquely shaped prisms. And I think we're pulling up 
this energy from source or whatever. I think of it as the creative spark of life. We're pulling that up and then we're just doing something with it. Whether it is, like I said, writing a book, teaching, writing a podcast, absolutely anything. If it's coming from that place where you're like, I have to do this thing, that's how I know that you're doing the same thing I'm doing. It's just my lens and the way I'm distorting the light or the energy is coming out this way and other people is coming out this way. That energy that's doing all of that is what I would call my version of source, so to speak. That's beautiful. Um, I think that 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 does resonate a lot with me, especially when I say, well, it's not something personified. It's more like yeah. a creative force. And it's not that dissimilar to mainstream conceptions because you, we always talk mm -hmm. about a creator well why, we, there's always this yeah. idea of creating creativity you know so I think yeah I, I do resonate with that um let's do a little bit of a time jump so mm -hmm. imagine it's 50 years from now um so what would that be 2022 2072 oh my goodness <laughs> oh gosh to make it very real how the scary game <laughs> Well, it's 2072, and I want to ask you, how do you hope the intersection of science and spirituality and our views on it will evolve compared to today? I have a feeling that there are going to be some incredible scientific breakthroughs that sort of marry the two fields even more. And I would hope that rather than seeing it as a system, both of them as systems of beliefs that we can kind of ascribe to or deny, that we can be looking for the interplay between them more and more and more. Like, I think for me, like that is my, like in this lifetime, that is my particular zone of genius is that interplay between two seemingly like not really related things and like what happens when you mix them up. Um, I think that it would be amazing and wonderful if people could find that interplay and what my real hope is, this is why I run my business, even though I help, you know, women and money and all this stuff. Um, the way I do that, the aim is not just to help people, you know, usher in that creative spark in a way that feels good. In doing that, I'm also equally knowing that that process is going to root them down more with the planet. And I think that that, like, there can be no, for me, like, no better aim. I would hope 50 years from now that people have tuned back into that sort of primordial spark of the planet and that we are tending the planet and our unique place in the cosmos more, much more than we are now, because I think we're still so, we got to remember, we're still so new, like at, at everything, like humans have not been around for that long. Like it just, it's, it's a blip of a blip in terms of evolutionary history, what we've been doing. And we are, we are really showing that in how we're treating the planet. We're really showing that in how we're, you know, living with each other and creating boundaries everywhere. Like I would hope that across the board, we can dissolve a lot of the barriers between ourselves and each other and the animals and the plants and the planet. And I think in doing that, we would naturally see just everybody's lives improve because again, it's more conduits for that creative spark to come up through us, but also, the that's that's the amazing thing like the more i can help people tap into that creative spark you can see how naturally the more bound they get to the essence of this planet that's the secret like that's the thing i don't say out loud a lot because people are like oh yeah yeah but i want to make money it's like right but you can make money and it's actually going to help everybody and we always say like how do you heal the planet you heal, you heal each person that's how we do it that's my hope for 50 years from now 
That's awesome. Speaking of money, tell <laughs> us what you're currently working on. I'm working on a, an absolutely amazing, amazing program called Money Awakening. By the time this is out, you will be able to, to join it. So I invite you to join me if any of this resonates. If you love the idea of like soulful money making, and I call it money waking, and working with like the natural forces of your soul and your spirit and of the planet. Um, it is an entire integrative medicine wheel, as Christina already said. That intro, by the way, was beautiful. I'm going to have to pull that because that, like, that was gorgeous. <laughs> it's your um, intro. So that is, yeah, I, I know, but like it was just so beautifully written. I was like, I'm pretty sure I didn't write that. That was fantastic. Um, so that is the pretty much one of the only ways to work with me now. I make it almost a prerequisite to any further work that I do because it is just such a, it's such an incredibly transformative space and when you're in you're in so i think of it like its own little ecosystem like a little rainforest where we have you know the the larger trees that have been there for a little while we have the newer trees that are growing up and we are all doing the same thing together trying to build businesses that not only create more wealth but also kind of make this the ripple effect and make waves in the world that we want to make and do it in a way that feels like our business is just as vibrant and full of life, literal physical creative life mm -hmm. as we are. So that is what I've been working on for ages and ages. And as I said, by the time this is out, it will be wide open doors for you so you can join me anytime. And I would love to welcome you to become a money waker. And other than that, I am pretty much always writing. I'm always making videos. I'm always trying to um, use the creative energy that I have in a good way. But if it does seem, I do want to mention, if it seems like I'm like working all the time, I'm very much not. I'm trying to get better at like the balance of downtime and work mode. And we'll see, by the time this comes out, we'll see how well I fared. <laughs> <laughs> well, but best of luck with that. It is reassuring to hear you're not working 24 seven because it does. I'm trying, like I'm, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> No, you are creating a lot and that is really awesome. And I want to ask you, Jess, if there is anything that um, I haven't asked you that you wish to share or maybe that we touched on earlier and you want to elaborate on, like, this is the moment. Oh, gosh. I have, no, I, this has been incredible. Like, I could talk for literally probably the rest of my life and I'm sure your listeners would be a little like, oh, my God. So I think I'm, I'm quite happy with this. I'd love to know, like... Um, Really quickly for you, I would love to know, as we've been speaking, like you mentioned, like certain words were like popping out to you, what concepts kind of grab you the most? Because that's going to be, I'm going to like give you like impromptu homework. I don't mean like homework in like a teacher sense, but like, I think it's important because anybody listening will likely be having the same thing happening. Like certain ideas will pop up for them. I want this to be a reminder, like, don't just close the podcast to be like, cool, off I go, right? Like I want if something caught you, you can be like the, <laughs> the guinea pig, <laughs> like uh, the reminder, because I know what concepts caught my attention already. I'm like, ooh, that was interesting um, that you brought up. But like, I want you to be the guinea pig to remind people, like if something catches your attention, try to sit with it for a bit, try to open that door for a little more exploration. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot, but you don't actually have to answer, but I, anybody listening, that is what I would say right now. No, I'm 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 super happy to answer and thank you so in it, it, it I agree like a lot of things pop up as you were speaking and you know I was like oh I want to ask more about that about that but you know we 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 could be here for days on we that. could 
<laughs> we could, but maybe we'll do a part two. <laughs> yeah, but, anytime. Yeah. Well, what popped up for me, um, I think one of the main things is something that is recurrently showing up in my life. The fact that, you know, spirituality, like there's also this idea of being grounded to it that I mm -hmm. resonate with more than getting out of the body. Let's just ignore all this. Yeah, kind of real floating away. Stuff. Floating away. It didn't really click for me. I think once I started to encounter the, 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 the idea of being grounded, of being in your body, of learning how to communicate with your body, like I felt like my body also responded. Mm -hmm. And you know, as I said, like, maybe there were things that I noticed, but I didn't really give them meaning, you know, mm. or I didn't make them meaningful rather. I love that. I, I love that distinction. Make them, let them, allow them to be meaningful and not even necessarily have to quote give them meaning because they already have it right it's just allowing that oh i love that that's one of mine <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and i think i mean there's a lot of things but i i mean for just for our listeners to uh you know to, to, to start them off i think also this idea of incremental i don't want to call them improvements but rather orientation towards yeah. whatever it is yeah. that attracts you like you don't have to be black and white and I think you know we we kind of like risk getting whiplash as well if we're like we I do and like control. that's one of the um yeah I, I totally agree and that's one of the beefs that I have like with this industry is like the concepts of like a quantum leap and all these things I am like now proudly I had to work my way into it like I'm now proudly like an anti-quantum leap coach because <laughs> First of all, I don't actually think they exist. I think that anything that comes across like an external quantum leap was precipitated by a number of internal shifts that maybe you just weren't aware of, right? Because it's possible. And I will also say the only thing that happens quickly to your body in nature is injury. So I, I love the concept of, you know, I say like anti-quantum leap co coach because your soulful integrity, your creative expression, your business, your whatever you're here to do deserves time, support, and care to, to nurture that, right? So when you say like this idea of like getting whiplash, I want like anybody out there, if you're thinking of like, you know, uh, in, embodying this a bit more in your life, think of yourself and like your business or whatever you're doing creatively as like a gigantic whale, right? We are all energetically massive especially when you like you, you've got you christina and then your like soul missions then your interests your desire all of these things that gets to be energetically massive a whale cannot turn on a dime like that it cannot do you have to do like this little i call them like inchworm steps right or like little course corrections tiny 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 and that is how you get where you're going so again like and a lot of that i also think is just based on our own concepts of scarcity Right. We want the really quick quantum leap because we're thinking, oh, my God, I'm running out of time, you know, or I want to just completely obliterate my life and become a yogi master on the top of a mountain top, even though I'm a policeman, like whatever shift we think it needs to be immediate. Really, really, if you're feeling those things and if you're feeling that urgency, remember that urgency is always a human ego type concept with the exception of I'm in mortal peril and I better like there's a fire coming like that of course that's urgent right but when it comes to like soul work and all of this transformation and healing and growth that is never urgent because your soul is always 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 okay it's always okay it's just about you allowing more of it into your life 
so you can integrate it. And that absolutely does not need whiplash or urgent steps or like massive quantum leaps. I love that you brought that up. That's lovely. And I, I think that's such a good note on which to wrap up mm. this beautiful conversation. I mean, I don't know where the time went, but you know, we'll have a <laughs> part two as well. Just where can our listeners find you? Oh my gosh, I'm everywhere. If you are listening and you love this, I invite you to join. As I said, become a money waker. I would love to have you in there. Drop a note and say hi. Mention that you came to me through Christina because we're buddies and that would be fantastic. Um, I would love for you, if you go to jesskeating.com slash epic email, I send out email a couple times a week um, that is all really geared to help you build your business, make more money and do it in a way that's like you know, all the stuff we're talking about, making sure you have that soulful integrity. I also have a Facebook group called Wild Wealth Circle. I would love to welcome you there. And pretty much every day I post something related to this content on my Instagram, which is just Keating Books. I would love to see you at any or all of these places. Awesome. Well, we'll put all those links in the show notes. And with that, Jess, I want to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your insights with us today. This was, I think I speak on behalf of everyone, you know, mind-blowing, a lot of things to think about. Oh, we even got thank homework. You. We even got homework. <laughs> I get it, but it's like, it's, it's gentle homework. I've done way too many like degrees to give like full homework. It's gentle, loving guinea pig homework, but no, thank you. This has been incredible. I would love to come back anytime. So we, you and I have a feeling could talk for centuries, but we will of course wrap it up because yeah. <laughs> we we'll, see. we'll do our best. We'll do our best to, to yeah. record as much as we humanly can. Humanly right. can, yeah. All right, Jess, it was awesome. Thank you so, so much. Thank you. Take care.